Views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Hey, I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. And, oh, my gosh, this is our 10th anniversary. It's a very special year for us in a lot of ways. First of all, you know, when we started this journey, we started this journey with the idea that we would create a fresh new kind of talk radio. And what we what we did is we decided that, we were going to provide intelligent, newsworthy information that will help you become the people that you've always wanted to be. And so it is really exciting for all of us to, you know, be be doing what we do here at the Dr. Pat Show and now on Transformation Talk Radio. And to know that, you know, this year is a year where each and every one of us gets to really tap into our true authentic selves. My guest today is someone that I would say knows a bit about that. You know, when I sit and I read somebody's book and then I take a look at uh, their lives and, you know, the authors of the book, what what I think that they have done, and I, I get ready to introduce them, you know, I'm usually presented with information that I get from either PR firms or, you know, that I get from people that are sending their books to us. Here's one thing I want to say. I can sit here and I could probably introduce uh, Cindy Wigglesworth a million gazillion ways according to the way that they've written this. But here's what I want to say. She and I get to talk about the 21 skills of spiritual intelligence, SQ21. Now, I want to say that again. Spiritual intelligence. So here's what I want to say. Before she came on the show, I said to her, you know, Cindy, there's life after corporate America. And we didn't get a chance to talk about that. But this is somebody founded a company. And by the way, the company's name is Deep Change. Founded this company after 20 years in the human resource industry, working for ExxonMobil. You know, she is on the working council of Tyson Center for Faith and Spirituality in the Workplace. Yes, Faith and Spirituality in the Workplace. She served on the board of International Center for Spirit at Work. You know, this is someone that I absolutely couldn't wait to talk with. Why? Because I bet once she and I get going here, we're going to have a lot to say. 
both of us survived a 20-plus year career in human resource at Fortune 100 companies. She happened to be on the oil side. I happened to be on the telephone side. And it's so interesting that here we come together, right, in the year of 2013, and we get to talk about a body of work that many of us in the corporate world never thought we'd, A, come to know, and B, ever get to talk about. But it's interesting how we've both come to this place. You know, Cindy from the point of view of spiritual intelligence, me from the point of view of positive spiritual radio. And so here we go. Let the games begin. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. It's wonderful to be here. What a great intro. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like really, very. you know, the reason that I love to do this is because you know all of the PR people and they send us all of this great information, right? And then I go and I do a little information. Then I go and I look, okay, wait a minute. Who who is this person? And it's because I think you and I uh, have been on a similar journey. And by the way, you know, Linda, who booked you, um, is my friend for a long time. But both of us worked in corporate America. Both of us held executive positions in HR. And both of us walked away from 25-year careers uh, to do something who knew at the time. I want to ask you this question. You, what you're doing now, where you were, how did your corporate career help you or shape you into, A, the life you're living now, and B, writing a book about spiritual intelligence? Well, thanks. That's a great question. I would say I wouldn't be doing what I am doing today had I not had the opportunities I had at Exxon. Mm -hmm. And um, let me start by saying that I had to do my own work to figure out what this thing was that I now call spiritual intelligence. I joined Exxon right out of college, graduated from Duke with a bachelor's and a master's, really impressed with my own IQ and obnoxious as could be. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know I was being obnoxious, of course. Other people had to point that out to me. Um, But after a couple of years of performance feedback sessions, I started getting that there was this whole field called interpersonal skills. (laughs) Maybe that mattered. (laughs) And so I started working on what we would now call EQ or emotional intelligence, but we did not have that language back then. And so I started awkwardly stumbling through this process of realizing that the best answer wasn't just what the logical mind derived, you know, and that maybe I didn't know everything. Maybe the collective intelligence of the people in the room was more important than what Cindy walked into the room with, which in hindsight is just embarrassing. But, you know, when you're in your early 20s, what do you know? That's so, Yeah, so I I go through this sort of gradual process of learning EQ, and then independent of Exxon, I was learning a lot about spirituality, attending workshops, and doing a lot of work. And while the interpersonal skills stuff had definitely helped my performance and was improving how I was making decisions and how I was being perceived and rated, what shocked me was that five to seven years into this intensive spiritual work I was doing outside of the company, I was presented with a fantastic career opportunity with a huge change management project, 30 chemical plants around the world, business process redesign, 75 people on the core team, 
massive resistance from the field around the implementation of standardized best practices, which, you know, to anybody who knows human beings is not a big shock. But this resistance was just so problematic, it was causing such difficulty in this project that the HR person who was the change agent quit the job, quit the company, and left town. She was so frustrated. And so when they gave me that job and I went into it, I had the advantage of all this work I had been doing. I realized that I was able to be effective in that position in a way I had never been effective before because I was able to shut my ego voice down and really just be present to what was present in the room with each person I was interviewing. And the startling result was the project restarted. It's like things that were stuck got unstuck. Mm. And in reflecting on that, I thought this is such powerful leadership development information. Why aren't we teaching this? And of course, the why is this big, scary word, spirituality, you know, which gets all tangled up with religion and diversity issues. So how I came to this was really my own leadership journey. And this sort of, you know, this moment, you know, like, duh, we should be teaching this. Why are we not teaching this? And then I realized, you know, Daniel Goldman's book came out on emotional intelligence, and I thought, well, gosh, if they can write about emotions this way, like skills, and teach interpersonal skills in this concrete a fashion, somebody must have done it for spirituality. But then I realized there was no somebody after searching and searching and searching. So eventually I just, you know, looked in the mirror and nominated myself. Well, you know, hallelujah for that. And I want to thank you for doing that. Um, Thank you. You know, for a lot of reasons, I want to talk to you about this. Um, Uh One of the things I want to do is I want to take a quick break, a little echo. Oh, there we go. I think we fixed it. But here's what I want to talk with you a little bit about. You know, it's interesting. I I was kind of joking a little bit, Cindy, about, you know, our paths being parallel. Funny, 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 right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I left corporate America, started to work in sort of the boutique, you know, idea of this. Um, I became known for, what what do they call you these days? You know, when you're part of a change kind of event like the divestiture of the telephone company, right? So I was Uh on the, the side that divested, and then I was one of seven employees to start the new company. So you get this reputation in the world for being this change person. Uh huh. What you discover, though, I think is what you discovered, is all of the books you've read about this, all of the people you've studied with, everything, every model of change management that you thought was true just doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. And kind of like you, I got assigned redesigning the processes in Snohomish County PUD, the electric utilities. <laughs> <laughs> But I discovered the same thing, and I wanted to ask you, in your journey, you know, who have been some of the spiritual people that you just mentioned? You know, who have been some of the people that, you know, along the way you picked up a book and said, oh, really? You know what I'm trying to say is there must have been some folks along the way that touched your heart, that that really begged you to ask more questions than provide answers, what was that journey like, and who did you discover? Ah, that's a nice, juicy question. I know. I would, you're good at this. 
I would say the first book that really kind of turned me on to thinking about life differently was The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. Oh, yes. And the way he defined love as an act of will was a really powerful insight for me as opposed to love being a feeling. Mm-hmm. Because that we romanticize love in our culture, and, and, and it's like love finds you, you know, and it's like this princess-in-waiting story tale that we have, you know, fairy tale thing. But the idea that love is a choice, and it's a choice of what do you do with your attention and your time and your energy and your behaviors, and that consistently behaving in a way that is loving is love. That's the deal, you know. And it, I found that book in my 20s and was just really shaken by it in a good way, you know, like, oh, man, this is powerful. So I started reading a lot of his stuff. And about the same time frame, I found Stephen Covey's material, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That was very formative to me. And then I would say the third piece was probably the Course in Miracles workbook. I had been reading Deepak Chopra and a lot of other people who I love, um, but it was the workbook in The Course in Miracles where it started working you through one exercise a day to change how you think about things that kind of gave me the final pop yeah. that I was really looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to uh, chat with you um, a minute about that, and in the, especially in the context of the book that you've written. For those of you out there that are just tuning in, um, I am so thrilled and honored to be having this conversation with uh, author Cindy Wigglesworth, and the book is um, SQ21, Spiritual Intelligence, The 21 Skills of Spiritual Intelligence. And, you know, one of the things that – one of the things I really loved in reading the book and also finding out a bit more about you was how our own individual journey, Cindy, you know, helps, shapes, and guides us to a new place in the world. I want to ask you this question. What – what are some of the challenges? What did you have to face with this book, especially, you know, with you being a business owner, consultant, working with corporations? You know, what did you have to face in terms of challenges with yourself, mm-hmm. something like this to the forefront, and then in the outer world? Right. So the biggest interior battle was who mm-hmm. am I to be doing this? Ah. Yeah. You know, I don't have the training to do this. I'm not a Ph.D. in psychology. I'm not a master's in divinity. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But on the other hand, you know, when I would argue with myself about this, I'd say you've got a corporate HR background. You know, you understand a corporate mind. If anybody's going to make this language palatable inside of a corporation, it's going to take someone who's been rigorously trained in one of the most rigorous HR functions that existed at the time that at least I was going, you know, growing up in HR. Exxon mm-hmm. is well known for really rigorous HR development processes. And I thought if I could ever explain this to engineers in Exxon, I could explain it anywhere. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, you know, maybe this is my path. Maybe I've been put in this position because this, this training sets me up. So I'd be back and forth with that argument on the outer world the bigger resistors were I was a single mom at the time you know I wasn't going to walk away from a paycheck and a benefits package while I was taking care of my daughter and this whole um, issue about the word spirituality so you know I just I had a long five-year time of planning my exit 
um, and thinking about, is this really what I should be doing and researching and preparing for it as if it was going to be my next career. And I ended up remarried. My husband said, I'll pay the mortgage. You go start your company. Uh, it took me a year to take him up on that offer. <laughs> My feminist was resisting that. <laughs> but uh, once I launched, everybody I talked to about this idea, you know, I'm going to create an assessment and I'm going to validate it and we're going to have this way to talk about spiritual intelligence, said, call it something else. Don't call it spiritual. You'll never sell it if you call it spiritual. And I just, in my gut, knew that was not right for me. And, and so my answer to those folks would be, there are a lot of consultants out there doing other things under other names, and God bless them, and I wish them all lots of business. I'm setting a stake in the ground and calling this thing spiritual. Well, I have to acknowledge you and, and really, you know, I, I, I give you a lot of credit. For those of us that, you know, have taken this path and, you know, I, I, I have a similar path. Everything that I am today, part not everything, but a large part of it I owe to AT&T and the telephone company and Bell System. You know, mm-hmm. even the old Bell System, the new Bell System, because like you and Exxon, we had some of the most extraordinary, be out there first, human resource programs on the block. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something about that training that helps us, right, to write yes. a book about spiritual intelligence. For me to to do what I'm doing, to launch a website in a platform called the Epic World, I want to ask you this: When I think about spiritual intelligence, and I and I love to talk to you about the book uh, now. You know, you came up with four quadrants, and mm-hmm. you know. Writing my own book now, I know what it's like to come up with this kind of thing, how you pick these. I would love for you to talk with folks about what it was you did to assess spiritual intelligence and what the significance of the four quadrants are. Sure. So in my mind, I was holding up exemplars of spiritual intelligence. One of the things in the research world they say is that if you have a real separate line of intelligence, you have to be able to point to people who are exemplary in that field. So who would be a leader in spiritual intelligence? And the kinds of names, if you ask people that, that you will get time and again are people like Jesus, the Dalai Lama, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, um, and so on and so on and so on. So, you know, I would hold these folks in my mind and think about what makes them different that is not captured by IQ or EQ. Because if it's already captured there, I don't need to capture it again. So what's different? What's distinctive? The second piece of this was that I was certified by this time in Daniel Goleman and Richard Boyatzis' emotional intelligence model. That model has four quadrants. I had this very strong intuitive hypothesis that what I was going to find would fit into a comparable four quadrants, but it would be stacked vertically on top of EQ as if you took a big step up in difficulty and complexity. So I I started with the EQ four quadrants, and I drew a four quadrants on a PowerPoint slide, and I started plugging words in. What would I call those four quadrants? So instead of the self-awareness quadrant of emotional intelligence, for SQ, it's ego self, higher self-awareness. 
you know, one of the social awareness is Mm -hmm. universal awareness. You get the idea. You know, one of the things that I think is really, you know, the question that I really want to get to here, you know, after looking at this and reading your book, um, is somebody would, first of all, I I love the way you wrote this book. You know, it has such a really beautiful blend for somebody like me. There's Mm -hmm. enough in here for the right brain people and certainly enough for the left brain people and then everybody that's in the middle. So. I really love the way you did this and the way you guide us through this. Thank uh, you. One, one of the things that I that I, I so wanted to talk with you about, and uh, is this? It, it's mm-hmm. what I call the punchline. Whenever I read a book like this, so the punchline that I'm referring to is when you write a book like this. What is the, the what is the world? What is the universe? What is the energy calling forth from you? And what is that energy calling forth from people that decide I am going to pay attention to where I am with spiritual intelligence? Hmm. Well, let me rephrase, see if I'm understanding the question. Sure. In other words, what am I hoping that this book will create? That's the best way to say that. Okay. What I am hoping that this book would create for me, and in, I am a student of the SQ21 just like everybody else, is a roadmap to being a better human being. I admire these folks, the Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, all of these folks. I would love to move a little bit in the direction of being more like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out EQ the hard way because the EQ material had not been published. And so my struggle to learn interpersonal skills was clunky, and it took longer than it needed to take. When I started doing spiritual work, I was hopping from workshop to workshop, book to book, without knowing, like, how does this fit together? And I really would have loved to have had a map that said, if you want to be as much like, pick your spiritual hero, blank, fill in the blank, as possible, here's 21 skills you might want to measure yourself against. And from these 21, you don't have to work on all of them, but figure out which ones are most valuable to you, and now you can focus. That's what I'm hoping this book will create for people, is a way to analyze and decide for themselves what is it that I want to work on that's going to give me the richest, fullest life I can have and make me the best human I can be. You know, one of the things that I I wanted, and thank you so much for saying that, what do you sense of the world we live in today? And the question that I'm asking you is the question that I ask myself all the time. You know, I'm on air 10 hours a week. I used to be on air 14 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm in multiple networks across the country, uh, and, and, and I love what I do. I, if you'd ask me, you know, when I was in the middle of <laughs> – when I was in the middle of divesting the telephone company, if I even saw myself here, I wouldn't have been able to say that. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I have found um, along the way is sort of a number of things you talk about in the book. One of them, in terms, is following your heart. Um, mm-hmm. it, it could be called any number of things, whether that's intuition, hearing the voice of your higher power. I wanted to ask you this question, you know, as we look at uh, organizations now, contemporary organizations, the repeal of the psychological contract and so forth and so on, what do you believe is the greatest spiritual intelligence challenge 
that organizations face and the people in those organizations to do right by people, yet make sure that they're hitting the bottom line. Yes. So I, I would say it's, what you've asked is a brilliant and broad question. So you would have to answer it in more than one way, one of which is individual to individual. How, what can I do to be more spiritually in, intelligent with the customers I interact with, with the coworkers mm-hmm. I interact with? Kindness is never wasted. And learning to be less ego-driven and more operating from your higher self can enrich the lives of so many people, even if you change not one iota of the system. So Mm. I would say that's in our circle of control, and that's first for each of us to do. Mm. As we we look at the system, the system itself is in need of an upgrade. We need capitalism 2.0. Systems tend to be clunky and slow to change, as you well know from your change management work, and I know from my change management work, the people inside a system will evolve, and then the system has to be sort of forced along into its next evolution. Capitalism in a stockholder-focused model, which is what we have, you know, the primary concern is profits and return for the stockholders, the shareholders, is capitalism 1.0. Conscious capitalism, which is the next step, I believe, for what we're in as a system, is going to embrace the stakeholder model, where the owners who have shares matter, but they're not the only stakeholders who matter. The employees matter, the customers matter, the community matters, the vendors matter, the environment matters, and all stakeholders have to be considered for the long-term sustainability and profitability of the business. Um, I'm real involved with the Conscious Capitalism group, and ConsciousCapitalism.org is a great reference place for anybody who's interested in this. But the the metaphor that we use in that organization a lot is that human beings have to breathe and make red blood cells in order to live, but my life purpose is not to breathe and make red blood cells. Mm. Corporations need to have a profit in order to Mm -hmm. live, Mm -hmm. but that is not their higher purpose. And Mm -hmm. conscious capitalism 2.0, in addition to the stakeholder model, says we have to bring back the higher purpose, have that as a central focus. So it requires higher purpose, conscious leadership, the stakeholder model, and let's see, there's a fourth piece, I think, conscious cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so the culture, the organization has to also be conscious. And John Mackey, who's very involved as in ConsciousCapitalism.org and is the co-CEO of Whole Foods Market, endorsed my book after it went to print, so it's not actually in the book, but it is on my website, talks about how SQ is one of the critical intelligences for conscious leaders. You know, one of the, the reason I asked that question, you know, as I went over some of the skills that you talk about in the book, you know, it was interesting how I looked at these to assess, uh, assess myself. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I remember reading a couple of them. I think one of them had to do with, do you feel, I think you said something like, do you, do you feel the pain of other humans and animals or something like yeah. that? It was one of the questions that, that you asked to guide us. Mm-hmm. And I was really struck by this because, you know, my last job in human resources was to design or help design and implement a downsizing program. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember how gut-wrenching that was for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And up to that point, I'll tell you, Cindy, up to that point, it didn't really matter. 
All I knew mm-hmm. was I was on the career path. I was one of these push the mail cart, work your way up the corporation type people. But I got to a point where I couldn't look at myself in the mirror when my boss came back and said to me, you must fire this woman that had 29 years, 11 months of service. Mm -hmm. Lo and behold, I didn't do that. I caused a ruckus. I was supposed to implement the, the thing, and I didn't do that. And so, of course, they had to take my head count. What do you think, um, especially looking at Occupy Wall Street, what do you think right now people are sensing around the paradox that they call their careers these days? Do you think they're experiencing things like this or are we more in a survival mode? Let me make that paycheck. Let me not, um, let me not uh, you know, ruffle anybody's feathers. I think it's both, you know, on the on the realistic I got to feed my kids level. Right. I never encourage people to quit a job until they have another job unless there's just something really life-threatening going on. Right, okay. If they've got responsibilities to take care of other people who are dependent on them, that is also a spiritually intelligent thing to do. And we want to stand up for our values in the long term we've got to. You know, in the short term, you can say, well, I'm going to keep this job just long enough to get the next job. And in this economy, that can take a while. I'll do the best I can to be kind to others while I'm in this job and to live my values while I'm in this job. But this corporate structure may be so grossly malaligned with my values that I've got to find something else. And I think it's a combination of needing to change the system and work for change from the inside. And this is a debate I often get into with folks, and there's no one answer to it. Should I stay and work to make change from within, or should I leave and throw my energy into the better idea that competitively will just kick these kind of companies out of business? Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, it, it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it is hard. I mean, I had a moment as my friends and family look around, you know, they they thought for a minute as I was in that moment. Right. And by the way, I was six months away from a full pension. So if you can imagine this, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you think? And and so you you look around and you don't know what has come over you. So, you know, your friends look at you and they think, oh, my God, she's having a breakdown. Why would she ever do that? I look back now and I'm really clear and maybe you can help with this and help define this because now I hear this story from my listeners all the time. I now look back and I know that I was really hearing a message and Mm -hmm. I just I I don't want to call it anything but that. But my soul, my essence was being called to a place. I didn't know where it was. I didn't know where it was going. But I was being called to something other than that in life. And Mm -hmm. I think each and every one of us hear that, but it's Mm -hmm. really difficult to take action on that. And, you know, you talk about this. I think one of the questions you ask is something about being aligned with the ebb and flow of life. Yes. Uh, and and you could tell I've spent quite a bit of time looking at these questions. I am so honored that you did that. Thank you. <laughs> I have to ask you, you know, what can we say to folks listening to this that are going to get a copy of your book and are going to find mm-hmm. out more about you? What would you say to them to help them 
move themselves along so that they can effectively look at the questions, look look at the skills you're referring to, and be able to check them off the list. Um, I know that if I would have looked at your book back then, you know, in 91, when, when I was in the middle of this, right, I don't know that I would have known what I was going through. I do now. Mm-hmm. What can you say to folks, right, that are probably where I was, where you were, right now to help them understand the importance of spiritual intelligence? Mm. Well, I'll tell you the way that I check in with myself. One of my most important questions, and I think it's one that a lot of people might find useful, which is to position myself on my deathbed looking back at my life. Mm. And I like to frame this as optimistically as possible. So I I live to be 125 years old. I've had a full and complete life. I am in my deathbed. I am joyous at what I've accomplished. I'm looking back. What have I done? So instead of beating myself up, because some of these exercises are all about, you know, making yourself feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, what would be my most magnificent story that I would tell on my deathbed looking back, you know? And so in an upbeat kind of a positive way. And then say, what's between me and that? Why am I not doing that? And can I take any step in the direction of that dream? So for me, this dream, which became an obsession around finding a way to articulate spiritual intelligence, back when I was thinking about it, I didn't call it spiritual intelligence at first. I just called it spirituality in the workplace. And I thought, well, I can't quit my job. But I can start studying because I don't understand much about world religions. I had been in meditation about this. I actually was in prayer about it for two years before I kind of got clear that this was what my next career was going to be. And then there was another five years before I left the company. So this was a long process. And when I was in meditation about it one day, I got really clear that I needed to understand multiple faith traditions to do this work. And while I had wide travel experience. I had been an expatriate as a kid. I really hadn't taken the time to study the world religions. And so I started working on it and I would buy books and I would learn about Buddhism and then I would learn about Taoism. So in each step that I took, I felt better. In each step that I took, I gained courage and clarity. And it's like that future state of on my deathbed at 125 became more clear. And then the pull, the magnetism and that vision became stronger. So eventually it just became crystal clear what I needed to do. But it wasn't an overnight thing. One of the, yeah, I wish I could say that, you know, how I got here was an overnight thing. It certainly was not. You know, Mm -hmm. what most excites you, Cindy, about taking this body of work out in the world now? And I use the word excites you. You know, let's just, you know, my questions are really broad-based in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and open-ended. When I use Mm -hmm. the word excites you, I mean, you know, fires you up every day to come out into the world and talk about this, uh, Mm -hmm. to go into organizations and work with people on this. What is it uh, that really gets you jazzed, fired up about this work you've now said yes to? The latest thing that's really getting me fired up is training other people to do the work because I have come to realize how limited I am as a vehicle. I'm one human being with only so many productive hours in a day, and I travel a lot and I speak a lot, but still I'm one person this feels like something that is so much bigger that for me to hold on to it tightly would just be not to do the gift 
its proper due. So given that I feel like I've been given this great gift of this joyful stuff that I'm working on, I want to train as many people as I can in the assessment who can then either coach to the assessment or talk intelligently and in you know constructive detail about what is EQ, what is SQ, and how can you develop it. My goal is to train a 1,000 practitioners as soon as possible. We've trained about 200 people at this point. And we have continuing ed calls with that group of people and conferences, and like that really gets me excited because the multiplying effect of practitioners in this field, whether they're internal consultants inside of a company or we're having ministers come to get certified now who want to use this in ministerial training programs and in church development, um, therapists are coming, social workers, educators. There's applicability of this intelligence, not just in corporate America, but in every human endeavor. And so people say to me, well, are you doing any work yet in this field? I go, no, but how about you? <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> I'm only one person. I can't do it all. That's not my area of expertise. It's yours. Come join us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I want to stop for a moment and make sure that everybody out there has your website and, you know, can find out more about uh, how to get certified, how to become, you know, a coach or a practitioner in this area. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, for me, I think it's brilliant. Um, you know, uh, the reason that I so relate to this and, my, you know, folks have heard me talk about this, Cindy, is, you know, uh, this downsizing event for me, believe it or not, turned out to be the exact thing I needed to get into the direction that I needed to go. Mm-hmm. And I went back to school. Um, I don't – everything lined up perfectly like for you, right? Everything mm-hmm. lined up perfectly in get be accepted into – you know, I was in New Jersey at the time – be accepted into Columbia and then go on. Um, for a doctorate degree. It wasn't easy. I, I'm the only one in my family to graduate high school. I didn't know wow. what this meant. But I wanted to study the effects of downsizing and breaking promises. Oh. And so I went on this journey, and I happened to be able to do that. I didn't know there was something, uh, you know, something out there called a psychological contract. But the reason I'm giving you this information is, you know, because I want to ask you about this. You know, each of us get pulled forward. And I wanted to ask you, what would you say to the people listening to this now about what getting immersed in what your spiritual intelligence, becoming a coach, you know, becoming certified, you know, what is it that they will become that perhaps they might not be now? And again, I want to tell folks, go to the website deepchange.com. Uh, go to the website deepchange.com. You're going to find a lot out about Cindy. Get a copy of the book. But I love that you're training people to understand mm-hmm. this that can then take this into the world. I mean, that's the ripple effect. So yeah. what would you say to folks listening to this that are intrigued, that are thinking, boy, I want to know what she knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's various ways to get started. Um, the simplest is just buy the book and read it. Then the second level of engagement would be, I'm not sure if I want to keep going or not. You could email me at cindy at deepchange.com. I have some articles I could send you and a sample assessment to look at. If you wanted to take the assessment, 
that's available on my website. You click on products and services, and then you can click to either buy the assessment with or without a coaching session. Um, but if you're really sure if it's just calling to you, you can just go straight to products and services and click on the certification class via DVD. That's a self-paced training. You get the certif- you get the book and the assessment as part of that training. So it all comes together, and it's self-paced. If you prefer live training, we will have a live training in October of 2013 in the San Francisco area. So that would be available to people. It costs a little more because we have to pay for hotel space and all of that. Um, but get on my newsletter. You know, the homepage of deepchange.com, you can sign up for the newsletter. You'll automatically get a link to one of my uh, white papers. You'll get the monthly updates from me, including how to register for the class. And if you feel called to do more with this content other than just self-growth, the certification class is a way to do that. Self-growth you can do through taking the assessment and getting coached on it. But if you really want to go one step past that and use it in your field, if you're already a coach, use it in your coaching practice. I don't teach people to become coaches. They add this to their practice. If you're a consultant, add it to your practice. If you're a teacher, add it to your practice. If you're a therapist and so on. So if you feel called to do it, the DVD certification is the cheapest, fastest way to do that. I have one other question about this because I got a couple questions coming in through our instant mm-hmm. feedback. It's interesting. We live in the digital world now. So it used yeah. to be that people used to call into shows. Well, they don't do that. Well, they do do that. But it's way easier for them to sit down and type a little question in, right? And yeah. for us to get it on air, right? Welcome to the digital age, right? Yeah. So the question is just uh, tell folks a little bit more about the training. Uh, do I have, am I able, once I, once I get trained, am I able to use your materials for my coaching? That's a great question. It is a good question. Once you complete the certification successfully, and that includes you and I having a debrief at the end, which means, you know, I've made sure that I'm comfortable with you delivering this content, then you're licensed. Um, you, you have to do two practice sessions. And if I have any concern, I kind of check in with your clients to make sure they felt like you debriefed properly with them. And then you're free to use the assessment with your clients and debrief with them the tool. You'll get PowerPoint decks from me to assist you in any training programs that you might want to put on that would introduce EQ and SQ as concepts. I usually bring in... I have many decks that I use for different audiences, so I customize everything and I teach people how I do this. But one of the ways I do this for corporate America is I teach it as four intelligences, IQ, EQ, SQ, and PQ, which is physical intelligence. And I talk about those as the four intelligences that are essential for leadership, because if you don't take care of your body, you're going to crash your other intelligences IQ will only get you so far, and so on. So there are ways to modify the slides, to change the wording to fit the culture that you're walking into. I would not use the same deck with an oil company that I would use with a faith-based healthcare system, for example. So right. we talk about all of that. Um, the, the training, which is by DVD, quite a few DVDs, and it provides great resource material for you later, allows you to go back and like listen again whenever you're about to do a coaching session. Oh, this one, I'm going to have to talk about skill 11. What did she say about skill 11? You just pop the DVD in. But you get lifetime continuing education rights as well. Now, right now, the continuing education is all free. 
at some point we may charge some small amount for that. And you also gain access to the every 18 months we have a coaches conference or a practitioners conference where we get together, share what you know people are doing, keep pushing the edges so that we're all learning together and getting you know what's working in healthcare, what's working in whatever, um, and share that with each other. And we have a blast. It's a really cool group of people. It's quite a lovely tribe to belong to. It sounds great. You know, I know that for me, um, I'm so grateful for you bringing this to the forefront and doing it in a way that people that are in the workplace not only can understand, but can use as an individual, a group, a community, uh, and, and global tool. And I, I want to thank you personally for doing that. I, I think that thank it you. takes an extraordinary person to sit down and and really put the kind of assessment together that you did. And then it takes, as, you know, Gloria Steinem would say, an outrageous person for then take it out to the world. And, <laughs> and I know that's you. Um, I, I have one last question, and I, I kind of saved this for last, so I'm kind of letting you off the hook and that you only have a few minutes to talk about it. Okay. Um, I was really struck by, in the book Under Self-Mastery, I was struck by one of the skills, I don't remember the number, was keeping higher self in charge. Uh, Keeping higher self in charge. And I got to this and I thought, wow, if we can remember that we're really not the pilot, we're actually Mm -hmm. the co-pilot, spirit is really, you know, a higher... So I wanted to talk about this and get from you, you know... One, where does this show up on on the skills that we must learn? And what does this mean in terms of trusting what some people call the universe, God, higher power? Right. Well, these skills start interconnecting as you start studying them. The, The basic game of this whole thing is ego shifts out of the way and higher self drives the car of your life. So if I think of this as just like what's the bottom line? Ego steps back, higher self steps forward and starts driving the car. I don't believe in destroying the ego. I don't think it's possible. I do believe in getting it to grow up and get out of the driver's seat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got to tell you, if reading the book will help people, I'm going to encourage you all to read the book. I had to go out in the desert 10 days with just water to figure that out. So... (laughs) I think you're providing an enormous service to people here. Oh, thank you. So the skill that you've named of learning to keep your higher self in charge is really a crucial skill. And once we're able to do that, then we get the outcome. And and I should share with people the definition of spiritual intelligence, which is the ability to behave with wisdom and compassion while maintaining inner and outer peace regardless of the situation. Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah. So That's you cannot do that until your higher self is in charge. That's beautiful. You know, one of the things that um, I, I've, you know, I've had a lot of time, especially after losing my corporate job, right, uh, mm-hmm. to do a lot, to do a lot of reading. I was really struck by um, Viktor Frankl. I had never oh, heard yes. of Viktor Frankl. Um, and all of a sudden I found myself in the middle of, you know, research, you know, researching and creating, like you, assessment tools on what does it mean to keep promises. Mm-hmm. And um, a grueling body of research, by the way. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. if you really want your heart 
the consequences of breaking promises. Mm-hmm. I had to go to therapy after my doctorate. Um, no. But what I wanted to ask you in reference to this and in reference to Viktor Frankl, uh, you know, how would you assess what his journey was like from a spiritual point of view? And what is the message, your personal message, that you'd like to leave all of us with here today? And thank you so, so very much. Oh, you're welcome. Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, what a powerful little book that is. I mean, if, if it doesn't have you in tears at different points along the way, I'd be shocked, you know, anybody who reads it. And, you know, his core lesson was the people who survived that horrible experience of the Nazi concentration camps had a why to live that was a powerful why. And if you have a really strong why, you can survive even the concentration camps under the Nazis. So life can be hard. I mean, life can be spectacular and beautiful and amazing in so many ways. And I think it's only realistic to acknowledge life can also be really rough sometimes. And we need a why to live. And that why needs to be larger than the small me. If the why is attached to the ego or the smaller contracted self, it's not a powerful enough why to get us through the hard times. But if we connect the why to the higher self and to our understanding of God, the universe, higher power, whatever language we use for that, if we feel like we're aligned with something more important, something that has legacy attached to it that really makes a difference for the future, we can survive a lot. And I think that would be such a benefit to so many people if we could help each of us find that thing, whatever that is. Well, thank you. I thank you Mm -hmm. so much. Please let everyone know, again, what your website is, uh, how they can get a copy of your book. And thank you so much, Cindy, for all that you're doing. Well, thank you, Pat, for what you're doing. The website is deepchange.com, so www.deepchange.com. If you click on products and services, you will get to all of the products that we sell through the store. If you just click on the SQ21 book button, it will take you to the page where you can read some endorsements about the book and then either click through to Amazon or you can back up and go to products and services. If you prefer an autographed copy, those are available from the products and services area. If you have a question you'd like to email me about, you can email me at cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, at deepchange.com. Well, thank you, Cindy, so much. And I hope you will come back and join me perhaps on on one of my daytime hours. I would love, love, love to have you back. Thank you again for all that you do. Thank you. I'd love to do that, Pat. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. For those of you out there, you know, uh, get the book, SQ21, The 21 Skills of Spiritual Intelligence. Go to the website, as I've said to you before. Check it out. Go to deepchange.com. You know, there's information. Sign up for Cindy's newsletter. But go ahead. Look at the certification class if that's something you're interested. Find yourself a coach or consultant and say yes to, as uh, Cindy would say, say yes to the spiritual intelligence that is within you. We'll see you next time on the Dr. Pat Show. It's stepping down.
Listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Our hosts are setting a new standard for a fresh kind of talk radio, creating conversations that are transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio's mission is to broadcast a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Stay tuned. Transformation Talk Radio starts at the top of every hour. Transformation Talk Radio showcases a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, education, and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Our hosts bring together some of the planet's most preeminent and visionary changemakers, best-selling authors, motivational speakers, leading-edge scientists and futurists, environmentalists and educators, world-renowned spiritual leaders, inventors, filmmakers, artists, mystics, and healers that are stimulating and supporting individual and collective growth. Get ready to create positive cultural shifts on Transformation Talk Radio. Join us in making a meaningful difference in the world. TransformationTalkRadio.com That's TransformationTalkRadio.com You're tuned in to Transformation Talk Radio. Think the Dr. Pat shows the cat's meow? Just listen to what some of her transformative guests have had to say. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with? A believe in yourself always. Remember that uh, you are a gift. You are a miracle. And the only way you can return any part of that gift is what you do with it. Live into yourself. Be that miracle. I love it. Eldon Taylor, everyone. And, and thank you, Pat. I love joining you. You're a wonderful host. Thank you. And we're going to bring Eldon back because we, we just haven't even scratched the surface here. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. Thank you for listening. And keep us tuned in right here on Transformation, Transformation Talk, Talk Radio. Radio. higher consciousness perspective. The hosts on Transformation Talk Radio offer a positive and new paradigm shift, a new vision for a collective future. They are empowering and helping all of us experience a powerful wave of personal shifts and cultural change as we break through to even greater levels of awareness. Take down our toll-free number, 1-800-930-2819. Call in, connect, Make sure you tap into some of the world's most empowering psychics, healers, and more. Get an on-air reading with the best. 
Tune in, transformationtalkradio.com. Hey, everybody, we'll see you there. Hi, I'm Dr. Pat, and you're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Please enjoy the music while we reconnect you to the current show programming. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to Transformation Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Pat, and you're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Please enjoy the music while we reconnect you to the current show programming. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to Transformation Talk Radio. Sometimes you get a little rain. Sometimes you feel a little pain. No one that we need to blame. Hi, I'm Dr. Pat, and you're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Please enjoy the music while we reconnect you to the current show programming. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to Transformation Talk Radio. listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Our hosts are setting a new standard for a fresh kind of talk radio, creating conversations that are transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio's mission is to broadcast a distinct blend of live talk radio interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational and practical information. Topics range from personal development to critical issues relevant to a rapidly changing world. Stay tuned. Transformation Talk Radio starts at the top of every hour. Stop. Get out of that car. Stop living your life in the passenger seat. Tune in to TransformationTalkRadio.com and let us help you drive. 